Hello Ramblers and welcome to a little revisit of our series at the match which we made to bring you the atmosphere from some of the UK and Europe's most interesting grounds and games which for obvious reasons while we're mostly indoors I've been really enjoying re-listening to of late and resampling the roar of the crowd. Now this is at the match all over for you from LA to Sunderland we like to be diverse if nothing else. This was a good one because Sunderland had been through a tough old time relegated to League One come on don't tell me you haven't watched a Netflix series. But there was a real hope I got when I spoke to our friends from the Blizzard, uh, David Rose, Pete Dakin, and of course, Jonathan Wilson. That feeling of getting your club back really moved me, actually, and also accentuated the fact that maybe following a club isn't just about promotion and relegation, whatever the financial imperatives. This is at the match from Sunderland versus Southend United on 27th of October, 2018. My goodness, it is freezing. This is definitely not Southern California. So you've been in League One a couple of months now. Yep. How is it? Is it strangely liberating? Is it still a little bit depressing? Have you come to terms with it? Definitely come to terms with it, and it's far from depressing. Um, I mean, winning matches is, uh, you know, is the key to everything. But behind the scenes, we've got the new ownership who are massively engaging with the supporters as well. And the sort of second stage of that, as they initially sort of come into the club, has been uh, bonding with the players as well, which is, I think has been massive. There's a real connection between the players and the fans. It's reciprocated, I think. It's funny, what I expected today is, um, I guess something a little bit more sulky. Like, if my team had been relegated two seasons in a row, I would expect, like, you know, a bit of... Yeah, I think difficult to come into terms there. I think it's I think we've been under the cosh as a club and as a team and as a supporter base for so long with so you know, sort of just scraping safety in the Premier League, yeah. dull football, um, and then the season in the championship where it just all came to uh, crushing together really where we the owner just disappeared. Um the football was awful, the, the attitude of the players was horrendous um, and there was a mixture of sort of apathy, anger um, and in the last second half of the season fans were just, if we considered a goal, fans were just shrugging their shoulders uh, and it just felt like it wasn't our club anymore, it just it was awful, there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't even that much anger towards the end, it was that bad. Um, and the, the fans were staying away so I think it got so bad um, that and because there was a real threat really of administration if um, Short decided to you know, pull out altogether yeah. um, so the fact that it, it seemed to turn around so quickly with the new owners and the way they've approached it by embracing 
um, the fanzines and the podcasts before they've been to local press. Um, they've really welcomed in the fans. They have actually consulted with supporters in pubs. I mean, how many thousands of conversations Charlie Methven must have had with supporters in the lead-up to them just buying the club to understand um, the DNA of Sunderland fans, really, and then to get the club to reflect that. And I think that's started to seep in and it's and the, the, the support have really sort of like bought into that so do you think that would have happened if say well, you're still in the championship or the Premier League and a substantially better backed consortium have done it or do you just think it's something that they realise they need to do because of the level of their art and because of the means they have yeah I think there's um, in terms of the, the, the new owners I think they realise that we're not going to be generating the broadcast revenue that we once were so they need the support now so there's like a business case for it as well and I think sure. fans are wise to that uh, but regardless of that sort of end goal the journey of actually reconnecting and listening and getting input from the support into them, things like the match the experience uh, topped off with of course a winning team because all of that means sort all if uh, we're not doing it on the pitch so it's just come together nicely and I, and I think we're probably is a squad a little bit ahead of where we thought we would be. Uh, let's not forget that they had to gut the, the squad that, that was, get rid of a lot of mercenaries, um, bring a lot of individuals together. But the, I think the one trait that the, all the new signings have shown is a real hunger and desire to play for the for the club. I guess that's it. When you look at Sunderland in, in this division, and we've had it before with, I suppose, like Manchester City or, and, and Leeds in the last 20 years, is that you saw it with Sunderland today, uh, South, South End today, sorry. It's big for everyone to play here. It does sound a bit patronising to say it's their cup final and all that sort of stuff. But it is a massive thing you know, when you talk to fans of other clubs to, to, to come here and to, to, to play in front of that crowd. I mean, as a Wimbledon fan, I feel that it's a, we, we have a succession of seasons where like, every season you have one or two teams they go, my God, I can't believe we're playing these in a league game. We had that before with Newton when we are in the conference, with York, I suppose, when we are in the conference, um, with Portsmouth, and now with Sunderland. Whereas I guess you're getting that in reverse, right? Yeah, it's a bit... I mean, well, actually, being the, the eighth most successful club in the country, we're quite used to being the big boys, really. Like, but, uh, <laughs> but no, it, it is a strange feeling. Uh, and actually, I, I talk to fans and... You, sort of have to check themselves a little bit and not be like the sort of Billy Big Bollocks in the league and try to be a little bit more humble about it it's difficult though when you're starting to stuff teams as well so you, you want to, you want to give it a little bit when we were in the combined counties oh <laughs> arrogance <laughs> of the younger supporters it was, it was just disgusting yeah I did I, I, I did I did hear my garden shed at one away game which was uh, a bit depressing but uh, the whole my garden shed chant but yeah no, it is it is a strange position to be in and it takes a little bit of fathoming out but um, I think that in the main the, the supporters are pretty inward looking at the moment and just enjoying the fact that it feels like we've got our club back but it, it can be an incredible start to something as well can't it really because the League One or the third tier or whatever you want to call it because it's incredible to think like what's it 98-99 that Manchester City win this division 
back at some of the fixtures they played. You know, their local derby was Macclesfield. They lost to York that season. And yeah. then look at them now. I mean, no one's well. I'm not suggesting that Sunderland are, are, are going to win the Premier League in the, in, in the next 20 years. But it, it could be a, a springboard to, to something. Well, I mean, I, I guess it was last summer in the third flight in 87-8 that we then, yeah, we end up in the first division slightly fortuitously, um, given Swindon's legal payments. In, 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 we went up in 1990. Fortuitous, don't even worry about it. It's all Gillingham City, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, at least they did actually win the game, which <laughs> we, we didn't. We, but you know, we we still we beat Newcastle. That's the important thing in the semi-final. Never forget that. Um, so yeah, it, it's. It, it can be a springboard, but I'm not even sure people are that bothered about it being a springboard at the minute. There's sort of it's a, just nice to win. There's almost a relief in a kind of a sense of actually, you know what, the Premier League. It's great to watch. Is it actually great to be part of if you're there for ten years and never winning games? I mean, I saw a stat that um, towards the end of last season uh, we won our hundredth game in the previous in a, in, in a decade, and over that ten-year period. The next lowest number of games won by any league club was 136. So we'd won 36 games fewer than any other of the 92 teams in that decade. That's miserable. Yeah. Like, it's quite good fun when you do daft things like beating Chelsea and Everton to, to stay up, mm. or when you go to Stamford Bridge and win 2 1 to kind of and, and then beat United at Old Trafford to stay up. But the, to get in that position where that becomes worthwhile. Is, is really grim and I'm saying this as somebody who's utterly dilettantish about supporting someone you know I, this is my first game of the season last game I was at was the Birmingham game on December 23rd last season so I'm not having to, to go through that, that, that awful routine and that Birmingham game I'd sort of I, 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 I'd sort of been, I'd been making complacent about it I, I sort of thought oh it's not that bad yeah, we'll, we'll get ourselves sorted out in the championship and then I remember being in the pub with, with, with Peter before the game and he, you know, him insisting on buying another pint of 5-3 to three. <laughs> and then it, we got in at like 20 past 3 and at 25 past 3 he was like oh, can, can, we, can we get back to the pub now and like, the, the, just the flatness the lack of I mean lack of anger that Dave talked about that was something that I was really struck by the sort of just the lethargy season after season after season then it finally had to, but you could argue that Newcastle are in that position now yeah. well we had a conversation in the pub beforehand where we said like what would you rather would you rather be battling against relegation from the Premier League every season or be in the, in the playoffs in the, the championship and get up and get relegated every now and then and be a yo-yo club and everybody was out much rather be in the championship and go up and down it's just it's, the Premier League is unremittingly dull unless you've got a, a squad that will allow you to compete I do wonder with that that's what we grew up with you know, when we were like in our late teens we were a yo-yo club yeah. like, I don't know if, if my perspective would be different if I'd grown up being in the Premier League for well, a decade I, 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 I don't know but well here's a perspective so I've got two kids taking them both to the game neither of them are here today they don't like football 
Now, part of the reason they don't like football is to do with them. Part of the reason they don't like football is because they turn. That's just not a bonus one. No, it's because they've turned up, you know, to to a game week after week after week, it's just seen us get beat, get beat, get beat, get beat. And actually, if you, it'd be really interesting to look at stats of how many younger people are watching Sunderland now compared to how many younger people when when we grew up. When yeah, all right, we were in the in the old third division and we were, you know dodging around the lower leagues a little bit but by god at least we had some excitement in our we're lives we're also playing 2.50 to get in <laughs> but I suppose it's not just um, the winning although that's nice no one likes to get, get beaten every week but as you were saying Dave the feeling of community the feeling of, of being part of it I mean you've started this uh, supporters association and of, of course you've got um, history for your day job of, mobilising supporters and yeah. you know what you're doing in, in that direction and to me it seems extraordinary that when when the army has already got 7,500 members from the standing start the start of this season I mean that tells us that the fans are ready for something for ready for some sort of engagement for some sort of yeah. mobilisation I think I think that's right I think the timing of um, setting up the Red and White Army was ended up being crucial and it uh, wasn't always sort of designed that way but um, we came into being towards what ended up being towards the end of the previous regime and uh, we, we pushed a little hard on various things about trying to push the owner to sell and sell at a reasonable price and that sort of thing and that engaged a lot of fans early on uh, but since the, the new regime have come in they've recognised the importance of a of a supporters group like like ours in fact uh, I believe they were involved in setting up similar supporter groups at Oxford um, so they, they, they sort of get it um, and one of the first things we've done with them is uh, produce a survey to get fans views on the match day experience and we got sort of nine or ten thousand fans completed a fairly lengthy survey but what happens is the club says we're listening to this we're listening to fans and then you, you have the supporters saying we can tell this is not your normal survey it's written by fans and it gets a lot of buy-in and, and that, that's been sort of that, that's a little sort of window into what it's been like generally there's just been that genuine engagement and from a day job point of view with the Football Sports Federation um, I'm not aware of anything quite like it where there's that such transparency some fans might argue too much transparency about how the club is being run like the governance the finance right down to things like naming of the stands and, and things like that so it's really refreshing and unusual um, I mean it was only this week the club came out and sort of were one of the ladies on the charge for having um, legalised and drinking in the stadium and the pitch side. Yeah. So they're really at the sort of feel like they're at the forefront. They've got a lot of energy at the minute and they're wanting to blaze a trail, I think, with fans generally as well as that Sunderland. And I suppose there's been a, a lot of talking about this, hasn't there, with Croatia versus England? And I think how jarring people found that as a spectacle. The fact that it just looked like a kickabout between elite players, yeah. really, didn't it? And I think when you, when you I've talked to a few people about this recently, a few um, players come to the and say the atmosphere in England is not what people say. And you know, so much part of the television spectacle, for, for, for want of a, a better phrase, is actually the fans getting into it? Because if the fans aren't into it, yeah. it's, it's difficult to sell. And, you know, the difference between the Stadium of Light when even, what, two-thirds full today? You know, decent noise. 
and then when it's completely empty and as Jonathan was saying, it's just total apathy. Yeah. I mean, it's night and day, isn't it? Well, last season it was just. It wasn't even like going to the football. It was. Um, I mean, they'd closed the fan zone down. Um, so you sort of the journey with my son uh, to the match was walking over the the Weymouth Bridge with everybody just looking glum, not looking forward to the game. You walk through a desolate fan zone on a post-apocalyptic looking <laughs> stadium. It's what it felt like, and and you go in and you just wait for the first goal to, to go in against you and sort of work out what time you were going to leave. Um, I remember one fan last um, last season saying that he's two-thirds of the way through his highlight had been uh, when one of the burger stands had made too many burgers and had to reduce them down to a quid <laughs> <laughs> that was the pinnacle of last season I mean, you got to remember as well just how bleak it was that I think I'm right in saying the Sunderland were ahead this is not even talking about winning we were ahead in four games yeah. last year at home yeah, that's and I say so it, it was a total of kind of I don't know 100 minutes over the whole year we were actually ahead at home well, we, we didn't. We didn't win for a, almost a full year. Just under a full, just year, under yeah. full year as well. Uh, at, which, home. at home, which is just unbelievable. And 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 even before that, we didn't win that much. So, <laughs> it was, uh, God, I'm depressing myself now. We've just won. <laughs> <laughs> as well as the fact that uh, uh, when White Army's getting off the ground is the fact that you were helping with the food bank in the town earlier the fact that it's not just creating engagement with the, the club and the, the fans but with the community has, has, has that always been the case even through the league years that there's been that relationship between the, the club and the community or is that, is that something that fell off a bit as well um, I think one of the front runners if not the front runner with the, the foundation um, the foundation of light uh, which was created by Bob Murray um, but I'm not so sure that the connection in recent years has been that strong between the club and the foundation. Is, is that because of the absentee owner? I, I think largely due, due to that, yeah, and the fact that he was just had us on a on a drip effectively, so there was there was not really anybody working for the club as such. Uh, they were just happy to accept him keeping the club afloat, so there was not really any innovation or graft or, or work around the club there. Um, so... In terms of the Red and White Army and the, the Sunderland Food Banks, that's something that um, came about as we grew as, a, as an entity, as a central entity in Sunderland, from Sunderland supporters' point of view, so a natural conduit to do stuff in the community. Um, but also inspiration from um, little pockets of activity around the country, um, so particularly on Merseyside, um, and actually just up the road at Newcastle as well. There's been some amazing initiatives where supporters... Uh, have partnered with the local food banks and it's, it's as much about the awareness that football can bring and uh, the, um, obviously the sheer numbers and the fact that the, the community is pretty much all congregating um, sort of once a fortnight yeah. there's, a, there's a practical thing there as well where you actually just bring a few tins of food um, and donate so we had our second collection today um, unfortunately the fan zone was where we were located was closed due to the weather um, so it put a little bit of dent in terms of the traffic that was hovering around the collection, but still it's it's humbling to see um, supporters who you know you've never met 
uh, trudging up the roads with two carrier bags full of food. Um, we did the first collection against Fleetwood, and I heard stories of um, sort of middle-aged blokes who's probably never did the big shop in their lives, um, standing in the pubs at the bar with two carrier bags, totally um, sort of underestimating how far the walk is to the ground. And uh, but it's, it's, I mean, the, the first collection um, was I think a ton of food was collected, a van full. The under 18s and under 23 academy sides came and were rattling the buckets and um, really, really took to it. Um, again, the the club said that the reason that they wanted a partner, apart from the you know the fact that it was helping the community, is they wanted their young uh, young players, their stars of the future, not to be grown up in a bubble of football mm-hmm. and wanting to understand what the community around them is facing. Um, and they were really keen to, to sort of uh, use it as educational as well as as, as helping um, the, the local community as well. So it's been fantastic, and we, we did it again today. Um, and again, people turned up and donated massive amounts of food and cash. Um, and I think it's something we're going to continue. It's worked really well. And I guess it's another thing that helps you feel close to the club, and as if you've like, got the club back, right? Uh, yeah, it's another sort of bridge between. Um, what what has been seen as a bit of almost like um, an untouchable thing, really. The club, when it, you know, when they're employing people on thirty, forty, fifty thousand pounds a year, and um, it just feels so distant from the reality. Um, and you know, again, if you're winning papers over those cracks, um, but I think over the, there's been a real education over the last few scenes of what it means to be a football fan for, for Sunderland fans, and it's. Um, it's not just about what's on the pitch, it's about everything else, yeah. So you were saying it's a long time since you last came. How different was I want to make clear it's because I work at weekends. <laughs> it's, it's not that I kind of... Not like, fair weatherness. Well, I mean, no, it's not fair weatherness. I don't live in Sunderland. I have to work at weekends. <laughs> I was able to arrange it so I could come today. How different was this to the last couple of Sunderland home games? Oh, I... Right? Well, OK, the one I, I came to before the Birmingham game, we beat Everton 3-0 to... Is that true? Maybe that's not true. But anyway, it, compared to the Birmingham game, it was light and day, you know, it was uh, night and day even. Um, yeah, even though, I, I guess in terms of numbers, it was only four or 5,000 more than that Birmingham game. Yeah, the, the, I mean, it was not a great atmosphere. It was still... Uh, you know, 16,000 empty seats which is a problem but it's something we're always going to have in that stadium but it was the whole thing was so much more engaged so much more relaxed so much happier um, it was enjoyable which the Birmingham game just wasn't and partly that's because we won but it was enjoyable before we scored the first goal as well so yeah very very different but actually sorry far more important than that is what, you know, what, what Dave's just been talking about um I was on a, an American podcast on Friday and they asked me about the idea of La Liga playing games in the US. Yeah. What Dave is talking about in terms of community is precisely why that is a terrible idea. That a football club is way more than an entity to win games and to make money. It's an entity that has a, has a profound function in its community and we should be very proud that our clubs still do that. And I think it's very dangerous if you start to attack that. <laughs> This was a Stakhanov production.